Wanted to punt it into the stand. Someone catches John Jones' head as a souvenir. Fuck you, John Jones. I want to allow, as we welcome you to this 456th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we are here, hope that you are well wherever you're listening today, but I don't want to go on with this forever and ever, amen. I want Kobe Bryant to be able to rest in peace and the, and the eight other members of that infamous helicopter crash from a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not going to go on and on and on about it today. We've done enough. All I need to say, though, before I get Chris involved is that the first bit of news came out today, and they're saying, or excuse me, yesterday, they're saying that it could take up a, for up to a full year before a final report is made public on the crash that happened two weeks ago in Calabasas, California. But investigation, what they've been able to investigate so far, the investigation up to this point shows that there was no sign of engine failure in the fatal helicopter crash that uh, obviously nine people died in a couple of weeks ago, and also heard this week that the helicopter itself, and this is the amazing part to me, the helicopter itself was only 100 yards away from clear skies. So one football field away, and all nine of these people are still alive, walking and talking today. So again, I, I remember saying in one of our earlier episodes that I'll be very interested to see when we get the final NST, NTSB report as to what they're going to deem the cause of the crash. And again, that may take up to a year from now. But again, these people were one football field away from being in the, literally in the free and clear. But um, you can take off engine failure as one of the reasons for this accident because the investigators are able to report so far two weeks later that so far no sign of engine failure in the infamous helicopter crash from a couple weeks ago in Calabasas, California. And unless Chris has something to say, I'm done. Let's move on. Something that Chris does want to talk about and I'm always listening or interested to listen to him talk about tonight especially because of this Yahoo being in the or on the card tonight. I saw him at weigh-in yesterday, and he made it look like it was freaking Mardi Gras. And, you know, as more as I learn about the UFC and MMA, and I listen to Chris, and I find that I hate this guy too. Um, and I don't even know him, but I don't like him. Um, UFC 247 on Saturday night from Houston, headlined, I guess, depending on how you feel about this guy, but headlined by John Jones with a record of 25-1-0 versus a former high school IT teacher by the name of Dominic Reyes. How did I find out about that? Well, I can still read. Dominic Reyes comes in with a perfect record of 12-0-0. And my first question before Chris gives you a bit of an update and, and, and a preview of what you can expect tonight, can the former high school IT guy beat Chris's famous or favorite fighter, sir. The floor is yours. Yeah, he definitely can. Do it, and, do it then. Oh, geez, boy, I, you know, this is going to be the hardest. I'm cheering for anyone or any team since, <laughs> or I mean, real almost ever. Uh, the only things to compare to this, I think, would be 
how hard I was che- uh, cheering for Anderson Silva to lose every time he fought, or how hard I was cheering for Piers Morgan to beat Omarosa on The Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> Those are about the only things I or can... Or somebody to go out in the parking lot and beat the hell out of Piers Morgan. Uh, oh, I, I hey, I love Piers Morgan. I know you do, but I also know that the, he's not well-loved by everybody. Maybe. Let's just say he's an... I, he is a... What is it when you have a... Um, a polarizing, polarizing figure. There, I'll shut polarizing. up. No, it's okay. So I know that, uh, well, Piers Morgan, first of all, is the greatest, uh, I guess you'd say, player in the history of that reality show thing. Uh, man, was he brilliant. Yeah. And he, he really used that as a launching pad for his oh. whole career to this day. Like, he's on Good Morning Britain now. He had, you know, he would replace Larry King on CNN for years there mm-hmm. until all the uh, Southern crazies couldn't handle having a guy there that didn't just, you know, wasn't all about the Second Amendment and was questioning their guns all the time. They really didn't like that. But anyway, he's still, he's had an amazing career to this day. Uh, And I know he was big in the newspaper world before that. But anyway, anyway, we're getting off topic here. But with John Jones, I'm, I'm biased. So I know that I can't look at this objectively. But it is nice that I do have a lot of backup when it comes to this. I've been looking at a lot of smart guys like Chael Sonnen and a number of different guys who all say, you know what, this is, this is probably going to be John Jones' hardest test other than, other than Cormier, of course. Yeah. Uh, But this is a guy who can beat him. And I've watched this guy talk. I like it. Obviously as an IT guy, he can't be a total moron. John Jones doing IT. Can you imagine that? Like, I don't think. You have trouble spelling IT. I don't think he, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't think that. I don't. I, I seriously doubt John Jones can keyboard properly. I'm not convinced he can read. <laughs> like, why would I be? I mean, he's he's just a dumb piece of shit. Like, I mean, he's he's the worst part of humanity. When it comes to humanity right now, like, what is worse than John Jones on the face of the earth? Maybe the odd dictator, maybe. But I mean, he'd be that guy if he had the opportunity. Right, because he clearly is a sociopath with no regard for anything but himself, a total narcissist in the worst sense of the word. And I just want him to get his ass kicked. I mean, look, I'll take a decision victory. Disqualification's better than nothing, but I mean, he's already got a disqualification loss, and I mean, Dana to this day still wants to get that overturned, even though it's from ten years ago. Just I I, I noticed in the pre fight hype video they promoted him as john jones undefeated light heavyweight champion it's like no you're not yes you were kicking matt hamill's ass in that fight but he did illegal 12 six elbows and got disqualified so that's a loss so fuck you but i know he's never been just cleanly beaten i'll take a decision but boy a submission or especially a knockout would just be the most glorious highlight since the two chris weidman victories over anderson silva I'm really, really, really cheering hard for Dominic Reyes tonight. If I had a choice between the Oilers winning the Cup and Dominic Reyes knocking John Jones the fuck out, I'd probably take Reyes. That's how much I hate John Jones. Really? Yeah, I can't stand... I'm glad we're recording this, so I'll hear that again. He's an affront to humanity. See, when I hate guys like John Jones or Anderson Silva or Matthew Kachuk, it's not because, ooh, they're against my team or my guy. They're a piece of shit that is making my species look bad. They have just, they are without ethics, without integrity, without anything. They're just, 
they they transcend sports in the worst way possible to me. It's not. I would never hate anyone this much because oh, I do, they're they're on the other side or something. It's, it's way more than that. And I just want John Jones to get destroyed. I want Dominic Reyes to kick his head right off his body. Literally, I want him to punt it into the stand. Someone catches John Jones' head as a souvenir. Fuck you, John Jones. Can you? Maybe tell us how you really feel. Uh, I want to make. I want to be perfectly clear. You want clear me to start again? No, that's okay. <laughs> it's been recorded. I'll listen to it later. So, besides the IT teacher and the schmuck, um, are there any other fights that people should be really excited about with this uh, two forty seven from Houston on Saturday night? It, it's pretty unremarkable, otherwise, except for the fact that the Black Beast Derek Lewis is on the card, which is always entertaining. Maybe he's going to say take take off his shorts and say his balls was hot again. Uh, but you know, who knows? That's they, the guy. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. The, you know, funniest, and he's not putting on a show when he says that, like, that's just this dude. He's just a big, gigantic dude from Louisiana who can touch, who could brush against you the wrong way and he'll knock you out. He's got really? so much power. And, but he might have trouble spelling LSU. Well, maybe, but uh, he's a... So he'd play in the SEC is what you're saying. <laughs> he definitely would play in the SEC, but he's a, he's a fun guy, and you know everybody likes Derek Lewis, so it'd be fun to see if he can do something here. But other than Derek Lewis being on the card, there's nothing that I'm personally excited about to each their own, but I am just completely lasered in on what Dominic Reyes can do tonight. And he will become my favorite current UFC fighter right. if he can beat John Jones. Sounds good. Um, other news making the headlines on Saturday. Uh, as we sit here and speak with you on Saturday, what is today's date? February 8th. February 8th. Thank you. Um, XFL 2.0 relaunched on Saturday as we're speaking. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it would be the Seattle Dragons and the D.C. Defenders. Mm -hmm. They are the headliner today as we open again the second version, 2.0 of XFL, the football league, run by uh, Vince McMahon and uh, commissioned by uh, Oliver Luck. That's one thing I'd like to see from the XFL someday is I think Oliver Luck, I will say this, Oliver Luck, I think, would be a hell of a good replacement someday for Jane Goodell's husband in the National Football League. Um, I just think Oliver Luck is just a hell of a lot smarter than Roger Goodell. And and again, I mean, uh, Kermit the Frog is smarter than Jane Goodell's husband. But um, you and I, I think, have different and and opinions on this. Uh, as I'd mentioned, uh, Seattle and the D.C. Defenders are playing right now. Later tonight, the L.A. Wildcats and the Houston Roughnecks. And uh, I have a little thing here in my notes. Do you care? And that's going to be our focal point of this little segment. Do you care? And I'll start with you, of course, but I'm going to start by just saying in regard to my one-word quick answer, do I care? I'll make it two words. Hell no, sir. <laughs> I love the concept and the premise of debating if you give a shit or not. That's that's always a lot of fun. You know what? I, I hate that it's run by Vince McMahon because I really don't like Vince McMahon. I actually, if I really think about it, I'm almost surprised to say this, but I can't put Vince McMahon on the same level as John Jones and Matthew Kachuk and guys like that that are just, you know, the worst. I mean, there's a lot to hate about Vince McMahon. I really don't like the guy. He's the biggest control freak in the world and... I'm really tired of him getting his way on every tiny little thing that he's done for the last 50 years. 
and that's annoying. And if you if you if people don't know this, not just this XFL, but the original XFL, do you know why Vince really started the XFL? No, I don't. So, well, in addition to you know, never and he was in bed at that time with Dick Ebersol from NBC, right? That's right. But okay. even before that, what happened was Vince McMahon want, didn't want to have to start a league from scratch. He just wanted to buy it. He wanted to buy the CFL. Oh, really? Yes. So Vince McMahon literally went in there with all his money yeah. and just said, hey, how much for the whole league? And the XFL said, I'm not sure what the exact wording was, was basically fuck off. Really? And uh, so he's like, okay, then I'm going to put you out of business, was his plan. His plan was like, I'm going to beat the CFL, which doesn't really make sense. But anyway, so he tried that and it didn't work 19 years ago. And now here we go with the new XFL, which I think in fairness, he has learned a lot. And he has deferred to other people for expertise, which is very unlike Vince McMahon. So clearly he knows he's getting old. He looks worse every time I see him, which makes me happy. Uh, as one of my friends said, Vince McMahon now looks like a basset hound in a suit. And I think that that's, I a, that. that's a really apt that's description. A nice one. I like that's that. exactly, yeah. His face looks like a badly made bed, basically. Basset, basset hound in suit. I like that. Yeah. So. So I'm, I'm cheering against Vince, but I do hope the league is good. I like that whether it's, you know, wrestling with AEW or football with the XFL, I like giving guys more right. places oh, yeah. to play, chances. You know, there's got to be at least one or two guys, hopefully way more, uh, that get a second shot because of something they do in the XFL. And I know that it's really basically just like moving to Hollywood and being a waiter because they're just trying for that shot. And uh, I like that what I've seen from the broadcast so far, because as we speak, it is the first game. It is the first half. The Seattle Dragons are beating the DC Defenders 6-3. to three. I do like that they really seem to be doing it right. When they did the first one, it was just, you know, NFL's the no-fun league and, you know, we're better and stuff. And now they're doing it in a much more mature way. Uh, but my whole thing here, it's it's not that I really care about the XFL that much, but I care about innovation and the NFL where where is where I would like to see that innovation applied but the NFL is poorly run which we never thought we'd say that decades ago right. with Paul Tagliabue and all that but and I mean growing up all I ever heard NFL is the best run league in the world NFL is the best run league in the world it was everyone's catchphrase and now it's not the case and the NFL under Roger Goodell's stewardship is too fat and too lazy and too uncreative and too conservative, in the worst sense of the word, to make the changes necessary and to be innovative and to do these things. You know, their solution to, oh, well, if people are running into each other on the kickoffs from too far apart and they're getting hurt, well, our solution is just make it so almost every kickoff's a touchback. And what percentage, I'll ask you, yep. there, there was over 2,600 kickoffs in the NFL this year. What percent of... NFL kickoffs this year were returned for a touchdown. Zero. Zero point two percent. Yeah. I mean it was and what, seven takes, out of twenty six hundred. And I that think. just takes an unbelievable I agree. It takes an it takes an exciting potential play out of every game. Kickoff is such an exciting it's also an X factor in the game. Yeah. So I mean Oh yeah. You know, you take that away, it's more likely you're going you take away the X factors and the special teams. There's more likely that, oh, the best team's gonna win every time and we're gonna get the Patriots or someone like them just winning all the time. And you get more of these, uh, you know, you get all oh, the same few big teams you get, you turn into baseball or something where <laughs> it's the same few teams doing it all the time. 
And, uh, and it's just an exciting play as well. And so I like the new thing. So do you remember how the kickoffs work here in the XFL? No. No. So what happens is I remember back twenty years ago when they, oh yeah, yeah totally different but that's than that. different than that yeah no they, they so what they did instead of just oh well we'll just move up the kick and so all they all go in the end zone they're all touchbacks and then you make and I know what Goodell's long term plan is they're just gonna make it like that for so long that eventually everyone when they try to phase out the kickoff entirely no one will care right. because they haven't been good for so but long but you did see at the end of the year a lot of teams were shortening up. You know, at the beginning of the year or three quarters of the way through the season, every kick was bombed through the end zone. They just sit there. The return guy sits there like this. But by the end of the season, when you wanted to incorporate it and teams didn't want to automatically give you the 25-yard line, they were kicking it shorter, making the return guy at least, you know, receive the ball and at least take it out. But... There was a way to get around that too, but um, but so yeah, what, I, I I go ahead. Well, what they've done here though, it's totally different. So the kicker is still back on you know the thirty or whatever thirty five. Yeah, I, I think was it thirty? I think well, because they re- that's what Goodell did though. Didn't they move him? Didn't Goodell move the kicker from the thirty to thirty five so that more of them would be touchbacks? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that I believe they're back at the thirty now again, and what they do oh, now the XFL they're at the, the XFL. 30. Yes. Oh, okay, got it now. Yeah, and so but then what they do is the kicker's back there by himself. There's no one near him, and the other team, so the d- defense has to line up all their guys except for one returner who can be in the end zone or wherever he wants. All of the defenders are all along the 30-yard line. Okay. All of the kicking team are five yards away all along the 35-yard line. Oh my. So they're all standing there, and nobody can move a muscle until the, re- the receiving player has caught the ball. As soon as he touches the ball, then they can move, but they're only five yards apart. So you get rid of the hole running from far away and crashing. Right. To, if that's your problem, that's the solution. Not, oh, well, we'll just scrap the kickoff then, you lazy sack of shit, Roger Goodell. Come up with an innovative solution like that. So this is my thing. It's about the XFL doing the dirty work for the NFL, and then the NFL, whether the XFL folds or not. Right. I mean, I think due to pride and whatever, I think that the NFL would rather adopt stuff once the XFL folds, if that does happen. But... Something like that is great. That's something I'd like to see the yeah. NFL adopt. And even if you don't like it, uh, it is for sure better than no kickoffs Correct. or all touchbacks. I'll go through just uh, here's what here's some instant reactions. And you know how negative the internet can be. But I have no. seen, <laughs> but I've seen and as as I expected to be honest, overwhelmingly positive reviews to seeing the kickoff in place. And we haven't even seen a big one burst. But the thing is, you get past that initial wave, you have a good chance of taking it sure. to the house, right? Sure. So here's what some people said on Twitter. The XFL kickoff rule is smart. I like it. I think I like the funky new kickoff format of the XFL with the coverage guys way ahead of the kicker lined up in front of the blockers. Seem like, seems like it's a decent alternative as opposed to ditching the kickoff altogether. Everyone knows what you're up to, Roger Goodell. Uh, this is obviously less likely to result in traumatic injury than the NFL kickoff. And if it results in even a single touchdown in the XFL this year, it'll be more exciting than the NFL kickoff. And that's where I got the stat of the 0.2%. Uh, and uh, the XFL kickoff made me think of electric football. And yeah, every, everyone's saying, yeah, the NFL is going to copy this. And I hope they do. The other two things that are interesting about the XFL, the double forward pass. Mm-hmm. So, as, so you can do two forward passes as long as obviously you're behind the line of scrimmage for both. That's going to add a whole new element, yeah, right, I think. Yep. And uh, the other thing is after there's no kicking an extra point after the touchdown, you can go for one, two oh, or three from different from different. Yeah. Places, the further back you go, lines, the more you get. Yeah, yeah. But you can go for one, two or three. So you need to be up by 10 points to make it a two score game now. Cause you right. can go, you can go right. for three. 
Right. Right. And Absolutely. so, so I, I like those three things. I don't know if, I don't think the NFL would adopt the three point option after that, that changes a lot, but I would love to see them adopt the kickoff uh, changes and the double forward pass. I don't know if they do either, to be honest, it'll, it'll be nice for watching the XFL, but so far, and there might be other good ideas, 25 second play clock instead of 40. Nice. That's nice. That's, that's great. That's that's uh, you know keeping in line with what we've been pushing for is shot clocks and everything and faster quicker speed of play. games yeah yeah so I don't I like that one I'd love to see the NFL adopt that twenty five second shot clock but the biggest thing I think is the kickoffs and it's nice to see kickoffs again in football yeah no question I I just um, you know I'm a little I'm a little leery let's be honest I mean uh, the XFL launched with great fanfare twenty years ago. Um, it wasn't well received after the opening night. I remember because the opening night was in Las Vegas at Sam Boyd Silver Bowl in Las Vegas and Jesse, the body Ventura was there and, and, uh, you know, so a lot of excitement, but right after the second week, I like some of the initiatives that they're doing. Uh, I guess that I've gotten to a point though, that I, even I have become a little almost oversaturated, oversaturated. Is that a word? Yep. In regard to football, um, I need a break from it. Um, I think Chris and I both put a lot of passion and a lot of uh, our energies when the football season is going on, the National Football League season is going on, and at the same time, you've got the collegiate football season going on. Um, I need a bit of a break from it. I get why the XFL is deciding to do this because it would be a net death knell for them, in my opinion, if they tried to go head-to-head with the National Football League. They're playing in mostly National Football League stadiums anyway, except I did see that the Los Angeles team is based out of that soccer stadium (laughs) in Carson. So, But anyway, I mean, um, you know, last year with Charlie Ebersol and the AAF or whatever the fuck that was, uh, that obviously was wildly disappointing. I think that Vince McMahon, not to sound repetitive, I think obviously he's learned from his mistakes of 20 years ago. It's great that he's got partnership with big networks. I think the first game was on ABC, mm-hmm. and then the game later tonight might be on ESPN or something. I mean, they, they've got major yeah. television revenues or, or broadcast partners is what I should say. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I guess in my cynical old ass, they've got to show me something to make me want to commit to watching a game. Um, I think, uh, you know, I like some of these initiatives. I have to be totally honest with you, totally transparent. I didn't know about some of these rule changes because A, I didn't care, and B, I really don't care. So I will try um, a little bit later on. I'm still trying to get over the Packers on a un, unavailable or crappy or whatever it was that performance in the NFC championship game a couple of weeks ago, I need time to get back into the flow of watching football again. Um, the Badgers were disappointing and they pissed away the Rose bowl. So um, it's going to take me a while, but I will do it. I mean, am I, would I rather watch an XFL game than a tennis match? Absolutely. Would I rather watch the XFL than a soccer match? Goddamn right. Um, so, you know, there's going to be opportunities to do this, but also remember that the XFL is now going up against just to paint the whole picture. Yes. They're not going up against the national football league. And that's a blessing. Ask the USFL from their days of trying to go up against the national football league and see how that went. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the ratings 
for the XFL will compete as we now get into college basketball down in the States with the big tournament coming on. It'll be interesting to see what we uh, what happens with their television ratings when they go up against the NBA. They've, the NBA's All-Star game is next weekend. That'll be interesting to see, especially that they've just had the trade deadline this week in the NBA, and we'll talk about that later in one of our episodes this week. Um, I, don't, I know they're not going to get any persistence or any competition, let's say, from baseball. <laughs> because of yeah. the, the sign-stealing crap, and I've got one more news and notes about that, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. So it'll be interesting. Um, they're going to have to do something to woo me, and I know I'm only one, but any set of eyes that are watching the XFL will certainly help. I don't want the XFL not to fail. I like the idea of giving opportunity to football players you know, giving them eight more chances in regard to the eight XFL teams. So I, I'm appreciative of that. Any more chance that you can give to football players a chance to play, that's good. Um, I just hope, and I think that's I think that's one of the reasons, first and foremost, that Mr. McMahon decided to bring in Oliver Luck because you've got a credible guy, you've got a, a, a sterling reputation, a smart guy. Um, and so I, I think a lot of these things are playing a factor in um, the XFL moving forward. And uh, I wish them luck. Um, that's all I, that's all I really have to say. Okay. And, uh, but I wish them luck. I don't wish them any ill will. I hope they do well. And uh, I, it'll be interesting to see. There's some guys that I know in the league. There's coaches that I know in the league. Winston Moss used to be the inside linebackers coach for the Green Bay Packers. He is the head coach and general manager of the LA team the Wildcats who open their season tonight. So there is some connectivity there for me. I will watch an XFL game. Today's not the day. Well, I do like that they do spread it out. So you get two games on Saturday, you get two games on Sunday. Yep. So throughout your weekend, at some point, often you might find uh, where you're just yeah, nothing absolutely. else to do. And like, oh, I'll just put this on, I guess. But you mentioned the AAF, and it still boggles my mind that Charlie Ebersol did a documentary about why the XFL yeah. failed and then made all the same mistakes. That just, I'll never get well, past that. You know, this is gives this gives me some sunlight into the soul that the XFL is going to make it. Because my favorite whipping boy, up there with your love of Rafael Palmero, is my total hate and disrespect for Johnny Manziel. I can't, I can't stand that piece of shit. I brought it up in our interview with uh, the kicker, Zach uh, Medeiros, a couple weeks ago. Um, I think he was appreciative of my comments. I stand by those comments, and I'll take it one comment further in regard to this worthless piece of shit from Texas A&M. Johnny Manziel came out this week and said he's not going to play in the XFL because he doesn't think he doesn't think it's going to make it the whole season. Well, I think that this rocket scientist turned Heisman Trophy winner turned bigger bum than anything has forgotten one thing that I really like about the XFL: guys with criminal records can't play in the XFL. So Johnny doesn't have that option. So why people aren't stupid, Benzel. They aren't as dumb as you are. People know that you have a record and people know that you aren't eligible to play in the XFL. So don't come out and make yourself dumber than you already look by saying, I ain't going to play in the XFL because it's not going to year. It's not going to make it the whole year. Now I want it to make it the whole year and beyond just to keep that piece of shit on the sidelines. I mean, that's where he belongs. I cannot, as much as you hate Rafael Palmero, and I understand why, because I'm right there with you, um, 
I can't stand Johnny Manziel. And every time that neophyte opens his mouth, it just, you just wonder, you know, where that, that one brain cell in his head, where is it located? I think it's in his backside. Um, but I, I just can't believe can't somebody put a, a muzzle in him or can't somebody, you know, just he every time he opens his mouth, he just says something more stupid. Well, so, I, I think that uh, we're not going to hear too much more from Johnny Menzel. I think he's done. I think uh, his only f- fame, if he if you can call it that at this point, would be going back to Texas and hanging out at the campus pub and picking up 19 college chicks. Yeah, college chicks. Uh, I did want to say, though, you brought up the AAF. And Darren Rovell, with a great stat here, Darren Rovell at Darren Rovell. He's a good uh, business writer for ESPN, too. Yeah. Yeah. I bet this this stat will shock you. Probably. The XFL, before the kickoff of Game 1 even happens, this XFL has already surpassed ticket sales revenue for the entire season of the AAF. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm happy about that, and I, I do have to give credit where credit is due. I think the XFL, like you said earlier, and I think you're 1,000% correct, was that the XFL, the first time around, it looked like it was kind of thrown together over the weekend. This time, they've given themselves two full years, and they've done their proper market research. They've done, they've done their due diligence, mm-hmm. and I think that um, I think this league has a much better chance than the AAF did in regard to moving forward and not only making it through their first year, but but making it to a second and third and fourth years. And uh, again, that stat right there, that, that proves that they've put the time in, they've done their research and development. And uh, again, I am a huge fan of Oliver Luck. And um, I think that if Mr. McMahon can keep his hands and his nose out of it, I think that the XFL's got a chance. And... Again, for all my hesitation, I want this to be made crystal crystal clear, is that any any time, any opportunity there is for, what, uh, 350 more football players to get a chance to play football, that's good for them. And that's what we should be concentrating on is the opportunity for 350. I don't know what the hell the number is. I'm guessing 350 people, 350 football players have another chance to play football play football, and that's all you can ask for. Sure. I had one more question for Please. you about this. So you brought up Johnny Menzel, who, of course, is, uh, it sounds like ineligible because of his record. If they, I don't know if they made an official rule that they'd won criminal records, but I think they did. But anyway. Speaking, that was one of their big selling points when they came out with this two years ago, so I hope that they stay true to that. Speaking of quarterbacks who aren't good at football, Pete at Draft Cheat, and I know it's not Freeform Friday, but we can do whatever we want on Unscripted. Pete at Draft Cheat here has a great question, and I want to see your answer for this. Sure. If Colin Kaepernick really wanted to play football, why is he not starting for an XFL team? Great question. Excellent question. And it all goes back to the same thing. Is, and I believe, not tooting my own horn, and I think you probably were right there with me, is that Colin Kaepernick really doesn't want to play football. Absolutely. He's making more money being people feeling sorry for him and feeling the system fucked him. Um, excuse me, Mr. Kaepernick, and I... It just bothers the hell out of me when I say this, but born and raised in Milwaukee. Kaepernick, when we get these new t-shirts sent out and made for here on Unscripted, the one for you and the one for (laughs) me, the first one I'm sending to is to Colin Kaepernick. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) He is just playing a martyr here. Mm -hmm. He is playing on our heartstrings, not mine and yours, but he's playing on sorry saps heartstrings 
that he's being a martyr here through this whole thing. And that's a great question by Pete whatever. If he wanted to play quarterback again, because that ultimately, come on, let's not insult anybody's intelligence here. All of these guys, 350 guys, I don't know what the, again, I don't know what the number is. There are eight franchises. I don't know how many players, but you do the math. Your math is better than mine. All I'm saying is this gives an opportunity, but ultimately all these guys want the chance to get the big payday in the NFL again. And you can't begrudge them trying to make a better life for themselves. That's all I'm going to say. But if Kaepernick truly wanted to play football again, he should be the starting quarterback of one of these eight teams. And I couldn't agree more. And all Colin Kaepernick wants us to do is feel sorry for him out for himself. Oh, woe is me. Poor Colin Kaepernick. He's a martyr. He's an asshole. And I feel no sorry, no sorry for him at all. God damn it. You're going to get my heart going again. <laughs> um, one quick one before we get out of here. I found this funny. I'm totally changing. I'm totally changing gears here, but that's again what we can do on unscripted. And um, I'll send you a shirt, and you know what it'll say if you don't agree with me. Um, Bobby Knight is in the news today. Really? Yes, Bobby Knight. Now, I personally like Bobby Knight. Really? He wouldn't coach. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He couldn't coach today. No. But when I was growing up and learning about college basketball, first, you know, he started at the Army, right? Okay. At West Point. So West Point has height restrictions. West Point couldn't couldn't um, over six foot five. Six foot five, and then oh, you had to give basketball. the basketball. Yeah, pretty. I tough. thought about that's bad in football, but basketball. Think about it in basketball. Wow. And Coach Knight took two or three Army teams to the NC basketball I, tournament I, I or the only, NIT back then. I thought only Air Force had the height restriction. Mm-hmm. They, military. Why military? Well, not. I'm talking about in the military academies. Yeah. So at West Point. But why uh, at Annapolis? Than, I understand well, they in the fly cockpit. P- in the cockpit, if you're an Air Force pilot, I get that. But why otherwise? David Robinson, same thing. They had to give him a special exemption to get into the Naval Academy because when David Robinson first He's enlisted, tall. But when he first enlisted, he had a growth spurt. When he first enlisted in the Naval, or or, or gained, you know, you have to yeah, apply yeah. to get into these service academies. When he applied to get into the Naval Academy, he was only six foot four. And he was 17 years old. By the time he was 21 and just about out of the Naval Academy and given his four years or had spent his four years in Annapolis, he had grown to seven feet one. Wow. So he had a late growth spurt. I'll but say. when he when he originally, I know this because I was living in San Antonio when David Robinson was drafted by the Spurs in 1989. I, I know. I, I just happened to be there. Happenstance. Anyway, Bobby Knight, getting back to him. Bobby Knight made a winner of the Army. Then he went to Indiana. Originally, Bobby Knight was supposed to go to Wisconsin. (laughs) And he would have made a Wisconsin a very good basketball team. Maybe those three national championships end up in Madison instead of Bloomington, Indiana. But somebody in the Wisconsin Athletic Department, this was in the early 70s, in the Wisconsin Athletic Department, Bobby Knight asked them to keep it quiet. He did not want anybody to know that he was taking the job at Wisconsin until he had spoken to somebody at the Army to tell him that he was taking the job at Wisconsin. Well, somebody in the Wisconsin Athletic Department opened their big mouth and said, Bobby Knight's coming to Madison, yada, yada, yada. Bobby Knight turned around, told Wisconsin to go fuck themselves, and took the job at Indiana. And in 29 years at Indiana, he won three national championships. I love Bobby Knight. Yes, he is a unique coach. Yes, he is unique and a bit barbaric in some of the things that he does. But Bobby Knight has not been, and Bobby Knight two years ago moved back to Bloomington, Indiana. 
Remember after he had gotten fired in 2000 at Indiana, he went to Texas Tech and coached in Lubbock, Texas for a number of years. But anyway, Bobby Knight, the last couple of years, moved back to Bloomington, but he has still not set foot in Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. That's the home court of the Indiana Hoosiers. He has not set foot in Assembly Hall since 2000. Today, for the first time since 2000, Bobby Knight will be in attendance when the Hoosiers take on in-state rival Purdue. And to mark this occasion, Gene Cady, I don't know if you know that name, but Gene Cady is the Hall of Fame coach that put Purdue basketball on the map in the 80s. Um, Gene Cady will be there because he was buds with Coach Knight. And Scott May, probably the most famous player that played under Coach Knight at Indiana, led the team. He was the star forward of the team that went 32-0 and in 1976. Scott May, for the first time since 2000, when Coach Knight was fired in Bloomington, Scott May will make an appearance in Bloomington, Indiana today for the Indiana-Purdue game. And I know uh, I'm babbling here, but I have great respect for Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight certainly made some mistakes in his day. But I believe that the Indiana Hoosiers, that they had to do it over again, I believe that they would take the chance and hire Bobby Knight, Robert Montgomery Knight again, because Indiana basketball has not been the same since Coach Knight was dismissed 20 years ago. So I had to bring that up. I'm getting excited because we're getting closer and closer per day to the NC2A basketball, men's basketball tournament. That's always a great time of the year. The uh, Sweet 64 or 60, whatever the hell it is, 65 now with the play-in team. But Getting excited for it. And just as a reminder, I always like to remind everybody before we get out of here on this 456th episode of Unscripted, seven days until pitchers and catchers report to a spring training camp near you in Arizona or Florida for the remaining eight of you that give a shit. I knew you were going to say that. Had to. I've made it a staple. Um, We've got to run on this 456th episode of Unscripted. Thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.